Hey folks, welcome in to On to Waveland. It is the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic, and you are listening in any number of places to this, uh, because remember, you can get these episodes either in The Athletic app or wherever you get your podcasts. I feel like I just wanted to mention that up front. Uh, make sure you find folks. Don't miss any episodes of us foisting our knowledge upon you. I am Brett Taylor. I am joined by Patrick Mooney of The Athletic. Uh, Sahadev Sharma is uh, traveling right now, so he uh, will join us for uh, our next episode, which, by the way, I think we're back to twice a week now. So, folks, you're just going to be getting all kinds of us in your ears uh, now through the rest of the season. So, uh, okay, obviously it's a, I don't know, I feel like it's a, a weird time. In, in baseball and really all organized uh, professional sports right now because you uh, want to talk about the normal spring training storylines, but obviously the uh, broader world at large is encroaching increasingly upon our sporting world. And I am talking, of course, about the novel coronavirus and its increasing spread around the world in the United States. Obviously, um, the paramount concern is health and safety of uh, people in general, players, media, everybody. And, uh, you know, we've already seen now major tennis tournament in California was just canceled. Uh, the NPB in Japan has uh, delayed the start of their season today. Uh, this is Monday. Today, Major League Baseball has uh, you know indicated that for now they plan still to start the season on time. No current plans to change any locations or play games without fans, anything like that. But they did drop the news that they have um, imposed, together with the NHL, NBA, um, a a rule about media access. Uh, indication is that it's temporary. But, uh, you know, Mooney, this impacts you directly. And I think because it's sort of the, the start of real impact from the coronavirus coming to baseball, I thought pretty important that we talk about this first because this, you know, we set this up in a previous uh, podcast, but now it's here and the, the impacts could only grow from here. So kind of wanted to chat with you first because it's going to impact you directly. And I know that this news like just came down, but, um, you know, wanted to give you the platform to talk about a little bit about your reaction to it, the impact that it could potentially have. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of go from there. Yeah. I mean, as someone who, uh, is just coming back from a break back home in Chicago, it was kind of odd traveling today to, Arizona, which, as you know, Brett, this is you know peak season in Phoenix, and on my flight from O'Hare to Sky Harbor, you know there were at least a few just completely empty rows on my flight, which kind of rarely happens now with the way airlines kind of uh, have so much data that goes into like every flight plan, but particularly you know the middle of March, you know this is like you know, just a hugely popular, uh, you know, route, you know, for, for Cubs fans, for baseball fans, for spring breakers. So that was kind of weird. And then you're know, going no line at the uh, rental car uh, counter. And the guy there brought it up saying how, 
Um, you know, things have been, you know, a little slow around there. And I think you can kind of notice some of these things. And I get why Major League Baseball and other professional sports leagues are, uh, you know, at least for the optics are going to, you know, prohibit uh, or restrict media access in the clubhouses. I also think it's kind of hypocritical to keep putting on meaningless spring training money grabs um, and then just limiting whatever the 10 reporters who might go into the club's clubhouse uh, at 8 a.m. on any given morning uh, uh, in spring training. Um, but I do think, like you said, you know, this is a public health crisis in which we're not getting a whole lot of uh, clear direction from say, I don't know, the White House and that, uh, you know, teams and, and sports leagues are going to try and do their best to, um, you know, mitigate uh, the risk here. But I think, you know, when you brought it up in our last podcast, you know, it still hadn't gotten to that point where, um, you know, people were kind of openly talking about these measures. And I think it's going to continue to accelerate to the point where, uh, I don't, I don't know if anyone can feel a hundred percent confident, uh, about opening day one way or the other at this point. Yeah. I mean, that's where I am too. I think that again, it's complicated because as you mentioned, I do feel like we're kind of in the dark as a, as a national populace about um, some some key information, and um, I think that the 14-day incubation period for this uh, sickness is a challenge, is a particular challenge. Uh, the fact that so many people can carry it asymptomatically is a challenge, um, such that I feel like everyone is kind of unsure how to respond. And so, you know, it, it, a lot of what's happening, I think you're right, is kind of about the um, optics. Uh, so in any case, I mean, the, the point is, uh, I think you're very right that we would all be kind of foolish to pretend as though we know for sure what the impact will or will not be. Um, going forward, but clearly this is on everybody's radar now. And I think that it, it's just, <laughs> it's just so challenging to know like what, how we should even talk about this because we don't <laughs> like dudes on a pod sports podcast. We, we don't, we don't know shit, man. We don't want to like incite panic among people that it's like oh man it's really messing up sports now because it's that serious but at the same time it's like you can't not talk about this when it's consuming so much of the national conversation and that it's having these actual impacts on sports and so all we can really do is just pay attention um and see how the sports leagues respond which probably will be less about um you know, directives from those in the know and more about everybody operating in this like unknown space and having to make kind of uneducated decisions about like, well, is it safe to have a bunch of people together in ballparks 
or is that totally fine? And if we were to postpone or play in empty stadiums, are we causing more panic than is necessary? Like, just nobody knows the answer to these things. Yeah, it's just an, an eerie feeling and knowing that, um, you know, it's not just the players who are impacted or, you know, reporters whose access fans do not care at all about they don't care about you know and understandably so but i'm thinking of i don't know all those businesses around wrigley field that you know that rely on you know 81 uh and hope for 81 plus home dates uh a year at wrigley and you know that's just kind of a very the stadium workers and these are just like very small you know kind of pieces of the thread and you're talking about like the entire global economy um and so i think you know from our perspective uh i personally understand you know what mlb is trying to do even if it's maybe you know kind of a half measure for you know in part for pr purposes but uh, we would certainly hope that uh, it is only temporary and not like kind of a stalking horse for uh, broader media access changes. I will say that uh, baseball in general is far better than, say, uh, the NFL. Uh, there's a strong tradition of that uh, in baseball in terms of media access. And I think ultimately this goes back to uh, the fans and you know, people wanting to know more uh, about their teams. I think players in the long run benefit from having uh, an open relationship with the media, particularly uh, with the possibility of a labor stoppage looming after the 2021 season. And um, yeah, it just feels like we're going to be uh, kind of in wait and see mode here for, for a while. I got to say, by the way, don't sell yourself short. You know, when you mention that fans don't care so much about access and, and maybe they don't at a superficial level. Uh, but the reality is I think about And look, I don't have a dog in this fight. I do not. Uh, you know, I'm not an athletic employee. Right. I just contribute <laughs> on this podcast. So I don't have to I don't have to say this. But I think about the incredible work that you and Sahadev do with very close access to players and coaches and managers in front office that I, as a fan, just like eat up. I love that stuff. And so to think about that being impacted, particularly like you said, if the the, the fear is not to be too cynical, but that this temporary measure could in some ways permanently change the relationships between teams and players and media, and just as a fan, a fan who's a, a deep consumer of the incredible work that you guys do, like, I just, I don't want to see any change to that. So, um, again, that's another thing that just feels so in limbo because of this national health issue that, like, may be super serious or it may not be super serious. <laughs> we just don't know. Um, and that's, it's frustrating and and. You know, we'll talk about it through the lens of sports, but obviously folks listening, you know, it's it's going to impact all of us in a lot of ways that go far beyond sports. So we don't want to minimize that. But this that's this is, uh, you know, it's a sports podcast. So that's what we talk about. So, um, you know, let's leave it there. Do you, do you want to say anything else about coronavirus? 
Well, no, I appreciate you saying that, Brett. I, I guess I meant more of like, no one wants to hear people complain about the inside parts of their jobs and ultimately whether that's complaining about access or travel or what have you, or, you know, extra innings, like no one should ever care <laughs> about that. That was my main point. And ultimately it will be up to us uh, as always to kind of find ways around that and to, to do our job in a safe, uh, professional, respectful uh, manner. But it's just like, spring training is supposed to be this more a more relaxed pace you kind of have time to deliberate and kind of consider things about the team you cover the team you you cheer for there's kind of this whole promise of a new season and uh granted i just took a break in the middle but it was just kind of weird arriving to you know the Chris Bryant trade rumors, David Ross getting sick for his uh, first, what, three games as Cubs manager, a TV network that sort of launched uh, for the Cubs. And now you have what is a, you know, pandemic uh, kind of superimposed on top of uh, Camp Rossi. It's just, it's just weird. Yeah. Weird. And so that'll make for a hard transition. But, you know, we don't want to we don't want to only talk about uh, (laughs) disease and economic (laughs) destruction. So let's actually talk about something spring training related uh, here before we go. So I don't have like we were talking before we actually started the podcast on this. And like I raised this topic and Mooney's like, Okay, but like, what do you want to talk about it? I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like we should talk about it. So we'll see. We'll see where this goes. Uh, but <laughs> I, I feel like a among the most critical storylines this. Uh, I, I shouldn't even say this spring. Spring is sort of what informs it. Uh, it's one of the critical early season storylines. Is going to be how does Craig Kimbrell resume some perhaps normal. Uh, progression of his career after last year's wonky, weird, delayed, injury, whatever season. And because all we have is spring training, um, it look, I'll be the first to say spring stats and performance, particularly for established veterans, just does not tell you a ton. Uh, maybe it's 95% meaningless. Within that 5% that you can divine meaning, you do want to see guys obviously stay healthy. You want to see uh, for pitchers a, a natural progression of the control and velocity and crispness of the stuff and, and all these things. And it feels like people are uh, even more uh, tightly wound with respect to Craig Kimbrell. This is his first spring training with the Cubs. And it's coming on the heels of what happened last year. And so at least my sense is, you know, he's, he's had two outings uh, sitting 94, 96. Uh, not that unusual historically for him in his career at, in spring training. And yet, because it certainly seems like the difference in his performance, uh, again, in his career when he's in, you know, 95, 96 versus his more typical 97, 98, it does seem to be a pretty dramatic difference in performance. And so I feel like there are 
extra eyes right now, fairly or unfairly, on like every single pitch that he throws. And we're only two appearances in. And so I'm, I'm just wondering what the rest of spring training is going to look like almost regardless of the performance, you know, the results haven't been good through two appearances. Um, and I just wonder if we're driving ourselves crazy, if, if there's really nothing we're going to know until the regular season starts. But um, yeah, it just, it, it feels simultaneously like a huge story that has been under discussed. Yeah. I think it's just, we have absolutely no idea what is going to happen to Craig Kimbrell this season. And, it's odd because it's not like he had like a good season and then like the Cubs kind of like swooped in and signed him to a big deal. Like this guy was on a potential hall of fame track um, when the Cubs you know, finally signed him after that long free agent holdout. But you also have you know, a rather, you know, strange ending to his time in Boston when he wasn't really the closer when they won a World Series. Um, so even that ring in terms of when you're trying to process what's going on with Kimbrell, uh, that wasn't really, you know, kind of a mark in his favor. And then, you know, last year it was, well, once he gets a full spring training under his belt, uh, he should be fine. And that's kind of what the Cubs repeated uh, throughout the offseason then when we get here it's Craig Kimbrell's on his own program and we're kind of working backwards from opening day and he'll get his whatever eight appearances and I understand that relievers particularly veteran all-star level closers do have the luxury to kind of do their own thing but I think even if you know he saves say two out of three games in Milwaukee to open the season I don't think anyone's going to feel like the Cubs are kind of out of the woods here. I think that's just how he's going to have to prove that he can stay healthy throughout the year. And there's no kind of underselling how important he is to this team and bringing some structure to a totally kind of like undefined bullpen. I'm looking at Sahadev's uh, very good roster breakdown or projection um, in terms of the current outlook. And this is a very informed, well-sourced, well-reported piece of Kimbrel, Jeffress, Wick, Ryan, Mills, Winkler, Tapera, Sadler, like, okay, how, how are the Cubs going to put this together? There's not like a lot of, you know, kind of obvious roadmaps to 27 outs here. And the one thing I will say that I thought was interesting, uh, Ross had mentioned in terms of Kimbrel that it's really difficult to drop a pitcher like that in, in the middle of the season, particularly a closer and to have him kind of gel with this kind of vaunted pitching infrastructure that the Cubs have set up. Now, Cole Hamels didn't seem to have a problem with it. Uh, Jose Quintana really clicked as you know, when he initially came over from the Cubs, uh, the Cubs have rebuilt their bullpen on the fly with guys. They picked up for like a dollar off the waiver wire and they were able to kind of excel. But I think, the entire thing of you know, health, stuff, performance, comfort level, age. There's just a, a lot of variables here with Craig Kimberlin. I don't know if uh, a couple more weeks in Arizona are going to give us any more clarity one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, the reality is, like you said, even if he saves two in Milwaukee, it's it's people are going to dissect how it looks and what the velo yeah. is and what – I mean, that's just how it's going to be. Um, it It's – 
you know, people have a particularly long memory for their initial reaction to things. <laughs> and you're right that given the way the Cubs have constructed this bullpen, um, it, it can have a lot of success once um, the, the roles are figured out, once you kind of see, you know, the Cubs have talent. They, they have really accumulated interesting talent. I do believe that. They've done it for cheap, but I do believe it. But you can't really know how these guys are going to perform until the bell actually rings. That's just how it is with relievers in a given season. And in the process of figuring that out, uh, particularly for a new manager like David Ross, they're going to get burned. There's going to be some games. Just prep yourself now because there's going to be some games where they're going to get burned by a couple guys that are out there and you're like, what the, why is this guy pitching a tight seventh inning? Who the bleep is Casey Sadler? Not to throw Casey Sadler. He actually has looked quite good in spring. Uh, so <laughs> to have Craig Kimbrell at least being Craig Kimbrell in the ninth inning, that would soften so much of that early season, like, figuring out what the Cubs have. And so that, again, is another reason why it's so critical that he performs well for this particular bullpen. Uh, Jeremy Jeffers, too, by the way, to kind of feel has the same feel. that It could be pretty critical that he's solid right out of the gate. Um, so anyway, that's it's how we're going to be. We're going to obsess about every Craig Kimball appearance the rest of the way here in March and then probably for the first, like, two, three months of the season. And... Um, the, like you said, I, I don't know how much we're really going to know until we get into the season and see how maybe he's meshed a little bit better with the infrastructure. That, that was a really great point about the challenge of coming into the fold midseason and like allowing the team to maximize your performance. I think for an established guy, um, that's probably it probably takes a little bit more time and massaging to, to get there. Um, we saw that with Brandon Kinsler too, um, that he, yeah. that, that first chunk, like it just, it didn't mesh. That was, that was a big issue that then they got together, they got on the same page in the off season and he had one of the best seasons of his career. So, Hey, that's, we'll leave on that optimistic note. That's great. Craig Kimbrell is going to be the next Brandon Kinsler. Boom. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, thank you folks, uh, for being with us. This is on to Waveland. Uh, he's Patrick Mooney. I'm Brett Taylor. Sahadev Sharma will be back with us soon. Make sure you're always checking out their fantastic work at The Athletic. You can catch this podcast uh, on The Athletic app or subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Maybe give us one of those uh, reviews if it's a good one. Four stars or better. Don't, don't, don't give us less than that. That's cold. That's cold. So thank you guys for listening. We'll be back at you later this week. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to monitor the coronavirus stuff because that's unfortunately going to be a major storyline here in the early part of, uh, well, the late part of spring training, the early part of the season. So thank you guys for listening. Be well. Uh, make sure you wash your hands and all that good stuff. So we'll talk to you again soon. See ya.